Hey everybody, it's Rajesh here. And Tane here. Welcome to our podcast, Baskets of Knowledge, Chats with a Difference. In our podcast, we invite guests from around the country and around the world to talk about how they got to where they are at the moment. It's about a journey, it's about an experience, it's about their life. Kia ora koutou everybody, welcome to another episode of Baskets of Knowledge. If uh, my counting is correct, this is episode number 81. Um, again, Tane sends apologies. He can't join us because he's away doing something else pretty cool as well, always doing cool things. But that's cool because he gets to do all the editing later on. Yay, yay for him. As you know, uh, for our regular listeners, um, thank you for jumping on. And for our new listeners, hopefully you've enjoyed the content we've produced over the last over the last year or so. As you know, with our podcast, we try and scour the country and scour the world and scour places to find amazing people. And we think everyone is amazing. And we'd love to have you all on here. Uh, but we can't have everybody. We love that. And this week's guest is someone that I think is pretty awesome and pretty amazing. And it's pretty awesome to have her on our podcast here for number 81. Welcome to our podcast, Candice. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So cool. No worries. Thank you for jumping on. Um, Candice, before we even start our conversation, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you're doing at the moment? And then we'll share your story. Yeah, definitely. Um, kia ora. my name is Candice. I am currently 21 years old, but my birthday is at the end of July. So depending on when this comes out, might be 22. Um, I was born in South Africa and then I lived there until I was seven. And then I moved to Auckland and then I moved to Whanganui and then I moved down here to Otepoti to study. Um, that phase of my life has kind of shifted now i work in radio and now i study part-time awesome what a, what a crazy awesome story you know to start off with where you africa auckland wanganui otipoti Dunedin, and now you're phasing into a new phase of your life there if i said to candace when i met candace at, at year 13 all those years ago in wanganui if i said to candace hey candace you'd be in the radio what would you have said to me at that point in time oh my gosh i think I think when you and I first met, that was really when things started to sort of kickstart for me in terms of my self-growth. But like, if you had told me that I would be in radio, I would have not believed you at all. I would have been like, I'm not interesting enough to be on radio. I don't know enough about music to be on radio, blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, I think year 13, Candice would not believe you, but she would be like, yo, go Candace. <laughs> yeah, go Candace, exactly. And talking about year 13, Candace, in Wanganui, uh, let's just go back a little bit there. So Wanganui, how long were you in Auckland before you moved to Wanganui? Um, eight years. So okay. I was there between year two and year 10. Yep. So kind of like primary school, very early high school. Yeah, and I think those are formative years for you. So what is it like for you? Because obviously South Africa, you're pretty young, so that's phase of your life but Auckland to Wanganui is formative what is it like for you going from a big city Auckland to to Wanganui and for our listeners out there who are not from New Zealand Wanganui is a pretty small town um, on the west coast of the North Island um, it's probably why it's famous because the river that runs through it has been given status as a legal entity a legal um, human entity is that the right thing so it's pretty famous around the world because it is it is, it is the first for the world but Candace you grew up there in a different a different space, I guess. What was that like for you? Yeah, no, you're very right in bringing that up. And I think that that sort of foreshadows where I'm going to go with this. 
um, Auckland is a very big city. And I think that for the most part, from what I experienced, it's a very like surface level city. You know, I, I found it quite hard to sort of meet people that I got on with. Um, and, you know, people were just always really busy. There's lots to do in Auckland, which is really cool. But I think that I found it really hard to make interpersonal connections. Um, and then moving to Whanganui, it's obviously way more diverse of a city which I really really enjoyed um and I made friends way easier I found that people were way kinder <laughs> in Whanganui and I think that a big part of that is probably because it is a small town like yeah. I think it's it's really easy to get away with being a dick in a big city <laughs> whereas like in a small town you just like you can't burn your bridges that easily um, and yeah, I made some really incredible connections in Whanganui, which was really, really nice. And a lot of friends that I still carry through to, you know, my early twenties now, which is so, so sick. That's yeah, awesome because, you know, um, in the media, Whanganui is given a bad rap, you know, when you think about Whanganui, people are like, oh, why would you go there? And I still remember the first time I went to Whanganui and I still remember when I got there, I got there and the motel owner at that time said to me, hey, be careful where you drive, be careful the colors that you wear. And I thought, what are you talking about? Because obviously I, hadn't, I didn't know about the stuff here, but I don't, I don't think anything happens there. But then all of a sudden I became pretty hyper-vigilant about something that wasn't actually real in my world. And um, so I don't know, what do you want to say about that? Though? Because that is so, you know, we hear about different places having all these crazy stereotypes. And what is it like for you growing up there where this is your real world? Yeah, I think... I think Wanganui does get a really bad rap on the media, but it's like it's like any small town, you know, where if you're from that town, you're the only people that can rip that out, you know? I'll be like, oh, Wanga sucks, like there's nothing to do with Wanga, Wanga's just so boring, blah, 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 like don't ever go there. But then as soon as somebody not from Wanganui is like, oh, Wanganui sucks, I'm like, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up, like, no, 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 Wanga's epic. Um... And I think that, I mean, I, moving from Auckland to Whanganui, like, I, hmm, I don't really know how to phrase this. I obviously come from a very privileged background. Yeah. Um, and I come from a middle class family. Um, and so I'm very lucky in, you know, the safety of the environments that I've been around. But I think that, you know, the media will take a very small truth and just like blow it up to this like insane magnitude and just like apply it to everyone and everything in that vicinity. Um, so I think that the bad rap that Wongers gets is very disproportionate to, you know, the reality of it. Yeah. But I've been going there for the last 15 years or whatever, and it's, it's great. It's a, it's a great place. I mean, you do get bored. There's not much to do there as a as a, um, as a visitor. I mean, it is what it is. It's the, tr it's the truth, right? It is what it is. But I mean, you know, um, talking about the positive or the amazingness, I mean, as, as for a sense of pride, what did you feel like when the river was given that legal entity? Because that is a pretty amazing thing for it to be recognized as a, what is it, as, as a human, as, as a female? I, I can't, I don't know what the legal term is, but that's that's the first in the world. And someone from Wanganui, what does that make you feel? Or does that actually not bother you? Yeah, I, well, to give some context, I moved to Wanganui 
like shortly before or shortly after that happened. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know much about Whanganui until I moved there. Um, so learning about that was really interesting. And from my understanding, this could be completely wrong, it's been given a legal um, entity so that it can be protected um, under like the laws of like human rights type vibe. That's kind of what I understand of it. It could be completely wrong. But um, yeah, I think it speaks volumes to how much people fuck a papa Wanganui if they're from yeah. Wanganui and sort of the the values and the embodiment of tekanga that comes in Wanganui. Um, and I think that that's it's a really special part of Wanganui. It's a very welcoming space it's a very warm place like everyone's all about the environment and taking care of each other and yeah just like it's all about nakitanga in Wanganui, which i think is really really special which is yeah exactly and i guess you know that'll flow through your your story as we, as we go forward and just just to clarify what it is basically in 2017 the government passed the law basically granting personhood to the to Wanganui river which basically means that the river is a, is a physical whole. So that means they can go to court and they can have representation in court, which is pretty awesome, um, which is the first in the world. So as you said, Candace, it's about protecting the environment and doing those pretty cool things, which sometimes, you know, we take for granted. And, you know, as humans, we just take, 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 take. We don't give, 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 and we forget about the environment. And um, so, okay, you, are, you meet me in, um, in year 13. You're living in Wanganui. You have, to, you have to leave Wanganui. There's no, if you want to go to any tertiary apart from Yukol. You and I have a choice of eight universities in the country, plus you have all the amazing polytechs to go to. What made you choose to go pretty far from home? Because for context for our listeners again, Wanganui, North Island, Dunedin is in the South Island, two opposite ends of the country and two opposite Western, Eastern West as well. Yeah, so my sort of life goals and aspirations in year 13 when we met were far different to how they are now. Um, so in year 13, I really wanted to study neuroscience and the only two options that I could really find for neuro were Auckland or Dunedin. And it was as simple as I knew that I didn't want to live in Auckland again. <laughs> so I was like, well, Dunedin it is. And telling people from, you know, high school and stuff that I was going to Otago, I think, at that time, from the outside, Otago had that really bad rap of like, oh my god, these couches on fire everywhere, and everyone's drunk and on drugs all the time, and it's just like absolute carnage. Um, so telling people in Wongas that I was going to Otago, they sort of like give you a bit of a side eye, you know. But obviously, coming down here, that's not the reality of studying in Dunedin or Dunedin as a whole, for the most part. Yeah, it's, it's funny because as you said before, the media takes the media, the media across the world takes takes a small thing and blows it up. And this is what's happened with anyway, with this anything that sounds exciting, take a story, make it up, and boom, off you go. You know, it sells. And I guess you're in radio, so you probably see a lot more of that there. And we'll talk about it later on in, in, in your space there. So you come down as a as a as a, a white-eyed, bushy-tailed, excited young person in your first year. And what was that first year like for you? Um as, as, a, as a human being in this environment that is just full of basically young people that are just trying to find their feet where you have people that know what they want to do and those that are pretending like they know what they want to do and those that are just totally lost yeah 
it was whoa it was insane it was a massive culture shock coming down to Dunedin in a multitude of ways so I went to Carrington which was or still is I'd say a very academic hall you know like if you go to Carrington you're known for getting good grades in high school and doing lots of extracurriculars and so all of a sudden I came from Whanganui where it was you know a very small town my high school was quite biased love you high school but it was quite biased in that it only really propelled the people that naturally did well in high school so it was very much like a big fish small pond situation and then coming to Dunedin and coming to Carrington where you're surrounded by all of these people from private schools and you know super wealthy families and you know super wealthy areas and um, you're coming from a decile for public school in a small town it was very much a culture shock um, way less diversity in Dunedin than Whanganui um, and I was also in the year 2020 was my first year which of course was the year that COVID started to pick up and we had the first lockdowns and so navigating that far away from home was terrifying but also so good for character building <laughs> built a lot of resilience that year um but yeah overall it was it was really good but it was it's a lot of self-growth in a short amount of time you know yeah, but I guess that goes back to mindset, right? Some people have self-growth and others would have seen crumble in the same situation. And, you know, and I guess if you go back to what you said before, in year 13, you started your whole self-growth journey. And for some mm -hmm. people, that doesn't happen until later on. So you, it's a testament there to you. But, you know, you said it's all good, but it is challenging as well, right? So if we speak about, let's, let's um, go up a little bit and think about university as a whole. University is amazing, but there are times when things are, are not groovy, essentially. And, you know, um, there's something that you 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 have spoken about recently um do you want to speak to our, our listeners about that, that that journey that you had that was not the best part of your life oh sorry not the best. a part of your life that is that is part of your life that is part of your life but wasn't the healthiest part of your life I guess yeah absolutely um so I feel like I need to preface this by saying that for majority of my teenage years and of course my early 20s I've always really struggled with my mental health um and I think that you know, I'd, I'd love to touch more on this later, but I think that a lot of people look at where I'm at now and how I am now and assume that this is how I've always been and things yep. have always gone right for me and I've always been very happy and social and blah, blah, blah. But um, that's very much not always been the case. So yeah. a lot of high school... So should we, sorry, before we can, do you want to talk about that first so then actually brings context to the whole story that you tell so we go... You mm -hmm. what you mean? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, let's tell us, tell us about that 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 part of your life. That's 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 actually part of you. You know, you're not you weren't always smiling and happy because we're not yeah. always all smiling and happy. We're all there's tears behind everybody, and sometimes they are tears because there's a reason. Sometimes there's tears because we don't know why. We have no idea until somebody says, "Hey, have you thought about X, Y, Z?" Yeah. Um. So yeah, a lot of my teenage years and you know my earlier twenties were very emotionally turbulent for many reasons obviously moving around a lot was quite disruptive to my like social development especially and as I mentioned before 
I didn't really enjoy living in Auckland. I didn't really fit in. I found it quite hard to make friends and keep them. Um, and so I struggled quite a lot so socially because I would try to make friends and it wouldn't work. And obviously when you're trying something and it doesn't work, it can be quite discouraging. Um, but moving to Wanganui was really good for that. Started to develop my social skills a lot more. And obviously your teenage years, you're very emotionally turbulent, you know, whether that's because of external factors or internal factors, like, you know, you're going through puberty and your hormones are changing and there's just a lot going on all at once. Um, so my teenage years were quite emotionally turbulent as well. And I didn't really have many skills to cope with that. And because my environment was constantly changing, I didn't have secure social circles um, to sort of support me through that. Um, and so I got a lot of my validation from doing well in extracurriculars. So whether that was sports or my grades, that was sort of how I determined my self-worth. And a lot of my happiness depended on that as well, which was really, really unhealthy. But of course, when you're just like looking for something to like keep you going, you know, you rely on those quite a bit. Um, and then, yeah, moving to Dunedin, was really good because I started to sort of discover myself and I'd gone on a science forum at the start of year 13 and I remember having this conversation with um, somebody who's now one of my good friends but I'd literally known him for like three days or so and it was obviously the science forum where to get in you sort of had to have good grades and like have heaps of extracurriculars and blah, 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 you know, the, the whole certificate and bells and whistles. Yep. And I remember him saying how he didn't have good grades. And I was like, well, obviously you do. Like, how else would you get here? And I remember him saying, um, I, I have really good social skills. And at that point I was like, oh, having good social skills is a decision and it's a skill that I can build on you know it's not just something that you're born with or not born with and from that point onwards I worked a lot on my social skills so by the time I got to Dunedin I was pretty good at making friends and sort of adapting to like different types of people while staying true to who I am so yeah first year was chaotic <laughs> but for the most part it was really good and then in second year I took a job as an RA which I absolutely loved and it was such a special experience like it was very much a dream job for me but it can be a very isolating job especially when you live on site you're only ever surrounded by your residents and your co-workers unless you make the conscious effort to go out and do stuff um so I spent a lot of time in the hall and unfortunately my work environment was quite toxic and by that point I'd realized that I didn't like neuroscience and I hadn't really unearthed this yet but I was slowly realizing that I didn't really 
enjoy studying the path that I was kind of tunneled towards. So yep. a bit of a bit of an identity crisis. <laughs> and um, then the second lockdown waves started to come through. So I spent a lot of time alone um, physically and also feeling quite isolated mentally, which sucked. Um, and I developed um, a very bad habit of alcohol abuse just to kind of cope. Um, and it started very much accidentally because I think that it can be really easy to sort of hide your bad drinking habits in Dunedin. Um, but then when the lockdowns came and sort of the sadness started to um, swell a little bit more, it it got worse and eventually it got, you know, concerningly bad. Yeah, um, a couple of things there before we go back, go into the, I, I want to go one step back. Um, first year, all good. And what is it like being a second year RA? Because essentially you're the same age, essentially with these young people here. What is that like for you? Um, because it's tough, you know, it's challenging. You have all these young people that that want to be your friends, that want to hang out with you. you. You're basically maybe six months for some people, one year, some might be the same age as you. What is that like for you navigating that social scene where you've got to be professional, yet seem personal as well? Yeah, it it was hard, man. I'm not going to lie. Like, it, um, it's weird because I'm not a very authoritative person you know I just I don't really hold that type of mana which is fine I think that I connect better with people by feeling like we're on the same level which you know yeah. like everybody is but you're just given like these badges of you know superiority blah blah, blah whatever um so that was weird because when it came to like enforcing rules and stuff like it was it just felt it felt weird you know it didn't really align with who I was I more liked the social aspect of being an RA but the issue that came with that is I love music obviously <laughs> and I love going to music events and you know whether I'd be drinking or I'd just be out at music events you'd always see the residents um and obviously they'd be drunk so they'd be coming up to you and rah this is Candace this is my RA like oh my god I can't believe you're out right now and it's like well yeah <laughs> I'm literally like a year older than you like of course I'm here um and I think that it was it was a spectacular job and a very rewarding job but I think because of having to remain professional even in your downtime, yeah. it became very draining. Yeah, I think, and I think that's as what I mean. I, I I've been RA for a, a number of years, but I was a bit a lot older, and um, but I still found it really hard because um, you have lots of young people. That you are like I said, I'm not very authoritative. I don't. That's not the style that I that I work with young people, and. Um, you know, you just got to, that boundary is really hard. And as you said before, it becomes pretty isolating unless you have someone who's, who understands what you're going through and can say, hey guys, we're off the clock now. We're not talking about work now. We're not talking about residence. We're just talking about life. So I can understand that. But I do also want to throw in something here because this is a, a true statement. You know, um, 
a lot of residents have said to me that they would never have gotten through that year at your particular college if it wasn't for you and your and your team. So I'm doing it out there, even though you you probably know this already, but a lot of young people have said to me, hey, the reason why we survived at XYZ was because of you. So um, just remember that even when you were, when things were not the best for you, your impact is pretty massive. And people have told me that. So um, shout out to you and kudos to you. Kudos to you. <laughs> Shout out, shout out to the team as well. Yeah, to the team. You know who you are. <laughs> yep, they know who they are, exactly. They know who they are. No names mentioned here. Um, so that's, that's, that's that then. Now let's come with, let's, talk, let's go back to the um, the alcohol side of things. So obviously this wasn't an overnight thing. You, I mean, alcohol is part of any young person's, oh, sorry, let me rephrase that. Lots of young people, when they leave home for the first time, choose to indulge in alcohol. You know, there's nothing wrong with that there. But some people, and some people don't, that's, that's perfectly fine as well. And I think what's important to, to, mentioned this podcast here is that this is a, a thing that New Zealand culture has fostered. So a lot of people think that it is only if you come to Dunedin, but if you step back in the space that I work in and you think about the country as a whole, you know, everything that we talk about has alcohol attached to it, whether it's a sporting event, it's always with alcohol on the news, you know, hey, the last thing we'll say on the news is, hey, I can't wait to go home and have a beer or whatever, which is crazy on the news to say something like that there. So, and you know, it's, it's, it's ingrained in, in this culture. We're not saying it's good or bad, it is part of New Zealand life. So obviously, as a young person coming down south, you, um, as a young person, you, alcohol is a great social lubricant. You get involved with that there, and that wasn't. That's not what you're talking about. You're talking about when it became a little bit different, when it became a dependency for you. Mm. And when did you when did you realize? Okay, this is not this is something that I need to. What is was there a watershed moment where you go actually this is not okay, or was it just a couple of things along the moment they went hey wait a minute this is not okay. Yeah, that's a really good question because I think that a lot of people expect it to be just like a flick of a switch moment, you know, where you're just like, you know, in the movies when you're lying in the bathroom, like bottle in your hand, like mascara all over your face. People think that's sort of, you know, where that realization comes from. But, you know, maybe like that for some people, but I think for majority of us, it's a gradual decline that you're very aware of, but it comes internally when it comes to making that decision. So I think that I knew for a while that what I was doing wasn't good and that um, I was indulging in alcohol in ways that I shouldn't more and more regularly. Um, and it was, it's it's so hard to describe because everybody everybody always tells you that like getting help for addiction has to come from inside and you don't ever really believe that until you're in that position and you know that you're spiraling but for a really long time you just don't care. <laughs> you know, you just keep going because you're like, I just want to feel okay. You almost go into survival mode. And so it's, you know, it just spiraled until eventually I was like, nah, <laughs> this is not good. Like, I don't want to carry down this path. I've seen what can happen if you do carry down this path without stopping. And I had perspective things on the horizon that I was like actually I really want to be good at this and my alcohol dependency 
does not align with the life that I am wanting to lead in even just short term like the coming weeks the coming months and now you know the coming years and the rest of my life yeah and so um this uh listeners what are you doing at the moment so you're doing drive your life let's talk about that there quickly before we shift to a whole different topic altogether drive your life let's talk about that there what's what are you doing with that what yeah so um, myself and one of my co-workers at Radio 1, Caitlin Ratcliffe, she is our promotions manager. She is an incredible person. She's incredible at her job. And we have decided to embark on Dry July this year. So um, normally Dry July is a fundraiser for um, cancer research and support for cancer patients. But because of Caitlin and I's past and current relationships with alcohol and also how alcohol inter, um, what's the word? intertwines with the music industry, we have decided to fundraise for Life Matters, which is a suicide prevention trust here in Dunedin. So they work with anybody who is at risk of or is affected by suicide here in the community um, and they do incredible work and we have had incredible support with the dry july so far which has been super super cool so not only is it fundraising money for an incredible charity but it's also kind of proving a point to ourselves that you know it's not that deep <laughs> but but it is it is, it is it, i think it's deep because i think you know it's 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 an awareness like you spoke about the awareness you go hey you know lots of people do these things i'm just going to donate to cancer blah blah blah. that's great it's fantastic but you go hey wait a minute let's step back a second and think about why we're doing it and it's been a big part of your life both of your lives um so it is it is deep everything that you do is deep and it's just you know a perception of what it looks like and also for those of you that want to donate to to candace they can we'll put the link in the show notes so you can jump on and donate because why not Uh, even every dollar every dollar is is going to be amazing um Right, we're going to talk. We're going to shift focus towards something that's that's a big part of your life right now. So neuroscience, 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 and as you said just before, music becomes a big part of your life there. And music has become such a big part of your life that it's actually, you know, something that you're doing quite a bit right now. So if we talk about your study, in um, you said that you had lost a loss of identity, no more neuroscience. What am I doing with my life? What did you end up finishing up with? And then let's talk about how music has has basically become a big part of your life in that stage there yeah so it's it's kind of interesting so I was halfway through a bachelor of science um so I switched from neuroscience to anatomy and then I had a minor in marine science as well and then halfway through my b-side I picked up a b-com so I'm halfway through I'm like three quarters through a b-side halfway through a b-com um and that was while I was studying full-time Um, But now that I've switched to part-time study, I'm just slowly chipping away at it. Um, And I think that while that was a really, really scary decision to make, I think that it was very, very much a reflection of my self-growth in recent times. Um, I've always loved music. And I think that deep down, everybody knows that thing that just, it sets their soul on fire. You know, you can feel the sparks in your chest, whether that's a sport or whether that's music or whether that's reading or knitting or I don't know, whatever you need to do. You just, you know what lights your soul up. And so being given the opportunity to 
do music as a job and get paid for it and work towards a career in it it was sort of a no-brainer to shift from studying to music full-time and how did you how did you get into it so you you we haven't gone to that there so you how did you how did music become a possible career pathway for you when did, was that because i will talk about the second day so study 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 when did music into your life as opposed to just listening to music but actually being involved in radio and DJing yeah so it actually aligns very closely with um the story that I was telling you about second year before yeah the exciting perspective things I had on the horizon was radio and yep. radio one here in Dunedin so one of my friends from first year Josh love you Josh shout out Josh he had a show on radio one at the time and I'd sent him a message and been like, hey, I've listened to your show. I listened to radio quite a bit. I am kind of keen to just sort of see what it's about. Do you mind if I hop in the booth with you for one of your shows one week? And he was like, heck yeah, man, invited me on. We just hung out um, the second time we had a chat on air. And it was just sort of, it was an immediate click. I was like, yes, this is so fun. I get to talk about music. I get to listen to music. I get to engage with an audience that also loves music and just, you know, geek out, but like in a cool way <laughs> about music, which is so much fun. And that sort of progressed to me applying as a volunteer at Radio One. Um, I became a volunteer there. I trained up um and then in April of 2022 I got offered my show called Stomping Grounds which is very much my pride and joy so I play electronic music on there which I love all kinds of music but electronic music has always been my bread and butter and all right, sorry about that little glitch there, but we're back again. Technology, we've got to love technology, got to love Zoom <laughs> Saturdays. It's all good, it's all G, it's all good. So, you stomping, you, you got your show, which is your baby. Let's talk about that there. Yeah, so in uh, April of last year, I got offered Stomping Grounds, which is Thursdays from 7 till 9 p.m. on Radio One. And it is basically where I can just selfishly indulge in whatever electronic music I feel like so sometimes I'll just straight up play tunes and yarns sometimes I interview national and international artists and I also love championing local artists and artists that I believe in and I love their music and I love them as people and I just I love platforming local music because that's what Radio 1 is about and local electronic music has so much to offer and because it is quite a competitive genre and it's a very fast-paced genre especially as DJs that I think a lot of people don't get as much time and credit and championing as they deserve. So I like to use Stomping Grounds as a platform for that too. Oh, brilliant. And so you've been going, that's been going on every Thursday since every 
since April last year. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. A few a few breaks in between there. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty consistent with it. Awesome. And um, for listeners that are not that don't know what Radio One is, how do they listen to you? And what's the frequency? Uh, radio One ninety one FM. We are a terrestrial radio station, so can be reached from basically anywhere that will reach ninety one FM. Or we have a website, which is r1.co.nz, and you can also live stream the entire station from anywhere in the world from that link. So get in, get amongst. We play alternative music. We champion local music. We have heaps of incredible hosts, heaps of incredible DJs, and there's such incredible grassroots work that goes into student radio. It's honestly so beautiful yeah, <laughs> is the I, think. I think i think it's epic i think what people don't realize is you know there's i mean you're on the alex listers there there's some really awesome people that that, that that have jumped onto there but it's something that you don't think about when you are when you're thinking about your university journey but all these other things that you can get involved in i think one of the unique things about the university that you attend is that you can get involved in all the student run things which are pretty pretty um i'm gonna use the word that you use it's pretty awesome for self-growth you know if you think about your growth sending that message to your friend, hey, can I jump onto where you are right now running a show? The growth is, is pretty crazy. I'm talking about growth as well. So you speak about yourself and, and stomping grounds, but let's talk about yourself as a, as a DJ as well, because this is another part of your life as well, and which which I've seen, which I think is pretty cool. Um, how do you get involved in that? Because that's different to being in a, in a studio booth. That is actually being out there and having the confidence now, which is pretty crazy to get up there and play music in front of people that might go, this is actually terrible people that love it what is that what is it like for you yeah I think I think I need to start this off by saying that being a forward-facing musician is terrifying I think being a forward-facing creative in any aspect is terrifying because you truly are just putting your heart on a platter and literally anybody and anywhere at any time can point at that and go that's garbage and you go oh dagger straight to the heart like it it hurts so bad it's 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 very vulnerable and you love what you do so you sort of hope that other people feel the same but anyways I can I I just can I just stop there for a second because I think that's really important for you to say that because I think this is it's something that stops a lot of them doing what they want to do. Like, you know, like you said before, it's not just creators, anybody that wants to be a musician, an artist, anyone who wants to start their own business, their own company, the fear of being the fear of, as you said, if someone going, hey, this is garbage, is sometimes the fear that stops them from actually doing anything. You go, I mean, it is going to happen. Everyone, this head is out there. Not everything's going to be perfect. And you've got to, and how did you, you're going to come to that, how did you get past that? Because you live in your mind, gosh, damn it, what if someone says this is shitty? And you've got to get past that. And which is what separates people that actually do something versus that don't actually do anything at all. I'll tell you what, I love talking about this because for literally the first like 20 years of my life, I was terrified about being bad at something, like petrified. I wouldn't try new things or at least not for very long out of fear of being bad at them and I know that a lot a lot a lot of people feel that same way majority of my friends do and don't get me wrong I do still about you know certain things but I think that 
the biggest I don't know it's really hard to talk about because it sounds so whimsical until you actually experience it but you literally just have to get out of your own brain which is so much easier said than done so much easier said than done but I will say that your time will come and what happened for me was my time literally just did come you know I found music through radio and I was like you know what I'm just gonna accept the fact that like I'm probably gonna be bad at this the first time I try it because you know surprise surprise people are usually bad at something when they try it for the first time and for some reason like and yeah mind-blowing but for some reason that voice in the back of your brain is like oh well duh but no you're the exception you have to be good at everything the first time you try it and so I literally was just like you know what I'm gonna be bad at this but I love this so much that I'm gonna work my ass off to be good at it and that you know applied to radio and it applied to DJing and I think that the core part of that was one fantastic supports around me and people who actually believed in me which I'm so thankful and incredibly grateful for and also just that heart driven passion that I was talking about before like those undeniable sparks in your chest where it's like I may not be good at this now but I love this so much that I'm going to try my best to be good at it and in that same breath it comes with accepting that you are probably not going to be the best at everything, you know? And I think I personally experience this so regularly, even still to this day. And I know that a lot of other people do too, where you feel like if you're not the best at something, you're not good at it at all. Yep. And I think it can be really easy to be discouraged when at the end of the day, when they're handing out that gold medal, you don't get one. But it's like, no, as long as you are happy within yourself with what you put out as a product, just back yourself. Just yeah, I think, back. And I think I think what you said there was also it's you've got to be happy, but you've also got to go, I've done the best that I can, you know. So some people just put out stuff and they're like they got it, but they haven't actually done it. They're like, oh, they put something, but there's been nothing behind it. Whereas mm. those that put out stuff, they put everything behind it, they don't get the accolades, but they go, I've done all my I've done what I can didn't get that correct okay that's cool what can I learn and you know those are two very different kinds of mindsets right there all together actually there's three the one is you don't even try because you're just living in your head the whole time and I, and I love I love what you said because this is across everybody this is human nature we all live in our heads and everyone says get out of your head but it is we have to acknowledge that it is hard to get out of your head it is very hard to do that we all do this here you know before we started this this podcast here it was living in our head when I started my coaching business it was in my head for such a long time but it just took that one moment to go actually I whatever it was to support that whatever to, to start that business there but otherwise if you don't you just don't and i mean i failed many times you will fail many times you all fail many times but um you know if you, if you don't accept failure as part of your learning then you're not going to go anywhere right which is really important so back to what you said before so you're now front-facing you're on the stage you are we're going to pass the journey now so you've done all the hard yakka you've now you're in, in front what is that like for you that first moment when you're like boom, this is, this is me and those are my people that are listening that are there for me 
it's it's still something that feels surreal to me every time I get on stage because when I'm up there I just sort of like I just melt into like the mixer and the DJ gear and I'm just like standing there with like my headphones on and I'm like listening to my favorite songs and hearing how they blend together and it's so much fun and then next thing you know you look up at this crowd of people and one of my favorite DJs and producers Paige Julia love Paige so much she does incredible work for women in electronic bass music she always talks about how how much music moves and connects people almost in like for lack of a better term a cult-like way you know everybody moving to the same beat in their own individual ways it's almost in a cheesy way representative of society in that way you know and so it it can be intimidating like I said it's a very vulnerable space to just put your heart on a platter and you know sort of you have to find the right balance of pleasing the crowd but also pleasing yourself and staying true to what sounds you actually want to be putting out there and I think that I very much resonate more with the term of tastemaker, which is sort of the concept of DJing where you play you play two tracks for the crowd, you play two tracks for yourself, and or you play two tracks that you think that they might like, and then you play one track for yourself. And you know, you kind of you play with that dynamic because that keeps everybody happy and bringing people new sounds that they might like has been a really special experience and I think that we've definitely seen a shift in the electronic music scene with the acceptance of multi-genre DJs and multi-genre gigs even just in the short time span that I have been in the music industry and not necessarily that I have been you know the one pushing that change or blah, blah, blah. But it's been really special to be part of that growing environment and growing acceptance around it. Which is which is awesome, you know, because, I mean, this is a hidden secret, but I'm also a huge fan of electronic music. And one of my, one of my dreams is to go to Tomorrowland. That's my, that's my dream, to get to Tomorrowland at some stage in my life. And, um, you know, when you, when you listen to, I mean, I listen to every single Tomorrowland set. I just... But what you always notice is that the, the the gender makeup is really it's mainly males, and then you have you have the females on the smaller stages, apart from a few that are that make the big stage. Um, and it's really awesome to see. And I and I know and we'll come to the second. I know that you, you it's not just you. There's a there's a lot of females that you that you're working toward that you're working with that are front facing saying, hey, it's not just a male dominant industry, as in a lot of things, which is pretty cool for you because you know I know you said you're not leading the change but you're part of this new this this not new this actually change that's happening which is really really um awesome in in the world of electronic music but not just electronic music but also in certain culture as well you know normally the young males that become djs and then they do the doof 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 and disappear um but it's awesome to see that you've actually carried it on and also people do it for the first two years they have the decks in their in their rooms and they okay cool whatever but you've actually carried on you've actually made it something that's really cool which is which is fantastic and i see you on campus playing the music and just, just the vibe, the vibe you bring in, which is really cool. Yeah. 
Um, so that, that's really awesome for you, right? And, and are there any any role models that you that you that you look at, um, just in, in different parts of your life that you go, hey, this is someone or or someone's words or someone's music or someone's thing that go, hey, this is really awesome and has helped you when things are not the best sometimes. So many, and yeah. that I really I couldn't list off names for you. You don't need uh, to. You don't need to. It's awesome. I was gonna ask, it's, it's actually a trick question because a lot of people just have one. And sometimes mm. you have, when you have one, it's you only focus on one facet of your life. But the, yeah. your answer actually talks about the multi-facets of life because we have role models in different parts of our life, which is really, really cool. So you don't have to list anybody. But if, but if there was one that you go, hey, say in the music genre, that you go, hey, this person is pretty awesome in what they've done or what they do. Yeah. Is there anyone that stands out for you? Um, yeah, I, I think you're totally right in that it's hard to name people because it really it limits yourself to only one dimension you know yeah. like I I am very inspired by local communities I am very inspired by communities of people like me I'm very inspired by communities of people not like me I'm inspired by people overseas um and I'm inspired by people that aren't even involved in the music scene at all, you know, my friends and my family. Um, I think, you know. I think, I think, I think that's it all there because, you know, I think that the answer to that question is a trick question again. And I'm, I'm going to give some context here because whenever I go to places or whatever, people always say to me, what's your favorite school? What's your favorite region? What's your favorite country? And in the past, I'd be like, oh, it's X, Y, Z. But as I reflect, actually, they, I can't have any favorites because it's limiting myself to one particular thing when each thing brings something to me. It might not be the best experience that I have, but I've learned something from there to go, right, cool. So, you know, the question is basically, hey, I guess the message I'm trying to say to anyone listening is don't limit yourself, you know, to one role model or one favorite experience. It's an experience. It's part of your story. And the person that's a role model is a certain season for you. So which is which is really cool, and it's awesome that you, as, as at twenty one years old, have, have got that. For some people, it's taken takes them decades and decades to realize that. So it's really really awesome to to get that. So that's really cool. Um, yeah, and and I guess so. We we've got this, there's so many threads here that we can pull on, which is which is really really cool. But as you as you're doing this now here, and you you know you've got the dry July going on, you have your study going on, you have the DJing going on. Um, what is the one thing that is that is just Candace? This is this is how does how does all tie this into, into who Candace is as a person? Because there's so much here. Hmm. That might be a, a journaling question later on in life. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good question. I think I really enjoy the ability to be multifaceted. And I really enjoy the ability to indulge in different things and it, and it not have to be my everything and not have to feel the pressure for it to continue forever, you know, accepting yeah. that things have phases and things have certain purposes in your life. And I think trusting that what you have now is what you need to have now. Yeah. Um but I think that I, I've grown very comfortable in myself in the last three, four years. Um, and I 
have really learned the power in just being kind to people and not that I you know ever intentionally was like horrible to people in my life but I think you realize how small bits of kindness go a really really far away in people's lives and you know saying that can sound quite shallow but I think that if you apply that to your own life like think about that one compliment that a stranger gave you like six years ago that you just think about forever you know like that one time that random person was like you have nice teeth and then for the rest of your life you're like oh my god I have nice teeth and obviously that applies in you know the more negative ways as well so I think just being intentionally kind to people and intentionally open to new opportunities and just trusting yourself within your individuality that you have something really special to offer that's really really that's really profound because it's gonna it's actually segueing to my next question which is probably the answer but anyway but before I talk about that there what I'm just reflecting about is something that you said before which I think is could be something that's really awesome in life you know you said in the music world or in the DJing world, you use the word a tastemaker, you're a tastemaker. But if we extrapolate that into life itself and go, hey, if life is a tastemaker, I do things for other people, whatever the season is, and things for myself, whatever the other people are, you're gonna be so much richer, right? If you go, hey, I'm just gonna try things out and go, hey, this is not just about music, it's about anything in life. Like you said, okay, if I'm gonna be kind to somebody, once kind to myself, be kind to people, be kind to myself. The world is going to change quite dramatically, right? So that's something that I, that's, as you said, that I was like, wow, this is actually a concept that you could just take into any aspect of life. And, you know, so thank you for that, Dan. I think that's really beautiful. But also what you said before is um, just being kind. Being kind is really, 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 I mean, that costs. Actually, words are very powerful. You know, like, and then you, and you did say, it's also the negatives. If you say a negative things, if someone said to you, hey, Candice, you have shitty teeth. 10 years ago, you're going to remember that now, even 10 years later, right? So it, words are very, very, very powerful, right? You have nice teeth, by the way. So don't take that. So segueing on to, I guess, we've been talking, I mean, we've been talking for a, a while now, which is great. I mean, we can keep talking, but you've got to head away soon. Um, and we're going to round up the podcast. And the question that we normally probably always ask our guests is our, po- our podcast is called Boss of Knowledge. And we think everyone has got a piece of knowledge they like that they have in their lives. We'd love you to share a piece of knowledge you like our guests to put into their boss of knowledge as they go forward after listening to your podcast. And that can be anything from today's podcast or anything in your life. You've already said being kind is being kind is awesome. You've shared you've shared so much actually. But if there's one thing that you could put into the basket of knowledge, what would it be? Ooh, I, it feels so weird being in the hot seat because. I'm normally the one asking other people that question and they're like, oh, that's so hard to answer. And I'm like, what? But now that somebody's actually asking me that question, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Um, I think alongside being kind is finding the power in one, gratitude, and two, a healthy social environment and whatever that looks like for you nurturing it and refining it to the point where it is really special to you is really important so on the gratitude side of things 
that can be both internal and external. I think that one thing I've learned is, you know, when you're really young, you learn that matters are important. But I think that the older you get, the more you realize that actually being thankful and grateful and saying thank you so much for helping me with this, it goes a really, really long way. And it again, apply it to yourself. Think about when you've done something for someone or you've helped someone with something and they've just said, thank you so much. You're more inclined to do that for other people in the future again. And it's the same way around, you know, when somebody's helping you with something or somebody's taught you something or someone's communicating with you, thanking them for that. It really reinforces the type of behaviors you want to see. And as a result, creates this gorgeous like ripple effect in the world, as cheesy as it sounds, but yeah, it's true. And gratitude internally is giving yourself grace, I think, which is something that we're not really taught these days. It's very much like a an eat or be eaten type world. <laughs> but I think that once you realize that, there is plenty of space for people. You have so much opportunity. And if you don't see an opportunity, do your best to tr with do your best with what you're given to try and create that opportunity for yourself or for somebody else. Um and it kind of it makes you appreciate quality over quantity, I think is a really important part of gratitude. Um, and then the value of having good social circles. So obviously some people thrive more off, you know, social interaction than others. But I think that when people use the word social, what they mean is community and it means space. And for some people, that's their family. For some people, that's their friends. And, you know, whatever a community looks like for you, grab it by the neck and don't let it go because it is so so special to find people that you click with and people that you love and people that love you back and I think that when you're surrounded by people that see the light and the greatness in you it becomes sort of a reinforcement cycle of being able to see that greatness within yourself so that would probably be it a bit of, bit of a long-winded way of saying just say thank you more and be nice to people and be thankful for people that are nice to you <laughs> but I, I love that because you know um a lot of those times people just say those things but the true, true understanding that you put in there is okay you know be kind be kind because because the kindness ripples over to other people but gratitude also the importance of gratitude externally and internally you know when when you say thank you to somebody they appreciate it and they're more likely to do things but not because it's not because of a tangible thing it's when you say some thank you to somebody they go wow this is pretty awesome but also i think the biggest one that i got from you was um the community and you know the word social when you think of the word social they always think of in a negative context socializing going out that's not what you mean you mean finding a community but the key phrase that you used there was whatever is community for you 
for some people that might be their family, for some people that might be their flatmates, for some people that might be their wife, might be their partner, might be their boyfriend, might be their, their, their dog walking club, it might be the DJ, it might be whatever, but it's just a community that's got the same values as you. And because like you said before, um, and you're in a community that sees your, 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 um, your shining star, you'll have to shine brighter and they'll help you elevate to the next stage. I was listening to a podcast this morning and um, on the podcast, the guy basically said, hey, humans, what we do is we always want to be in the room where we are the best in the room. And if you're the best in the room, you're not in the right, you're in the wrong community. You've got to be in a community that's going to be growing and pushing you. Being, hey, why aren't you doing more? Why aren't you doing more? You know, not 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 in a bad way, but but understand that your potential is not being reached. And I think, you know, that's what you're trying to say. A community that supports you, whatever that looks like, is really, really beautiful. Um, but beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Candice. And one thing I did forget to mention before we even disappear off this, off this podcast yet, and I'm glad I put you in the hot seat, which is great. Um, <laughs> yeah. What, what is, what's your DJ name? If somebody wants to find you and listen to your music, what's in, oh, you've got stomping grounds, but what about your, your alter ego, the other, the other side of Candice? Where can they find stuff, stuff that you play? Oh, please. Um, my DJ name is Candy with an I. So my Instagram is love from Candy, C-A-N-D-I. I am on Radio 1 Thursday evenings from 7 till 9pm on Stomping Grounds where I play electronic music. And I am also currently the Radio 1 breakfast show host. So that is every weekday from Monday to Friday, 7 till 10am. I do heaps of interviews on both shows, heaps of tunes, heaps of yarns, and it's usually pretty chaotic. So if you like that, come hang out because I would love to hang out with you too. We love, we love chaos. We love, we love joy. We just love your energy. Candice, <laughs> um, thank you so much for jumping on. For our listeners out there, when I asked Candice to come on, she said to me, I'm not going to interesting, but I'm sure everyone on this podcast left will disagree with me disagree with you totally you've been fantastically interesting this is a small part of your life which thank you for sharing that um it's been a pleasure for me um to have you on here and i'm sure listeners out there would have gained something so thank you so much uh, for jumping on candace oh please the pleasure is genuinely all mine thank you so much for having me on and giving me this platform and shout out to you for platforming incredible people through your podcast I love the work that you do you have been a massive turning point in my life in year 13 when we met and yeah you're just epic as well so I'm gonna uno reverse that and send it right back at you <laughs> oh damn this is, this, is, this is crazy thank you so much I really appreciate that um before we go into cycle of thanking each other um so this is <laughs> up there. again thank you for listening in thank you for jumping on thank you for um always supporting this platform and for those of you that have that want to share this please feel free to do that there and i'm sure that some of you in your network will know someone who's got a story like candace would love to share that with your peers feel free to do that there um till next time thank you very much and peace everybody thank you for listening to baskets of knowledge yeah we hope that you found something useful to put into your basket of knowledge and as we said before Remember to put something little into your baskets of knowledge every week. And as always, feel free to like, comment, and share this podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye.